is amazing right at the get-go. Logan Barone. Did I say that correctly? That's correct. Okay. Probably should have asked that before we got rolling, but this is just how things are. (laughs) Well, I'm surprised because most people don't get it right the first time. So it must have been a God thing. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so Logan (laughs) has come out with a brand new book called The Mystery in You. And uh, this is this came out just what a couple weeks ago, a month ago, a month ago exactly. Yeah, yeah to this week. Yeah, well, it is. It is a meaty, deep dive. Covers so many topics in a very uh, mature and revelatory way. Um, so super, super impressed. You will want to get your copy. And I'm going to give you. Actually, why don't we just cut to the chase? Where can they find your book? Amazon. And Amazon. Woohoo. Yep. Awesome. That's the only place you can find the book right now. So Mystery New by Logan Barone. So wonderful. Yep. So yep. um, so with your permission, I'm gonna go ahead and just read your bio. Sure. Uh, so people get to kind of know where you're coming from a little bit, and we'll just launch off. Absolutely. Uh, so Logan Barone is an author, blogger, and speaker. He has a bachelor's degree in theological studies, but is deeply passionate, and you'll see that when you get your copy, uh, deeply passionate about psychology, philosophy, and mysticism. As a senior in college, he started writing articles and poetry for fun. A year later, at only 23 years old, he published his first book, The Mystery in You. He currently resides outside of New Orleans, Louisiana, with his wife, Ainsley. So... Just graduated uh, not too long ago, coming out with a brand new book, but you've got some deep things in you. We do not uh, despise your youth. We celebrate it and uh, and are cheering you on. So, Logan, tell us a little bit about your story. Uh, you've sort of gone through some uh, streams and things. And yep. um, yeah, so share kind of how you evolved with this. Sure. Well, I was raised Catholic, born and raised Catholic. And then as I was going into the seventh grade, my parents left the Catholic church and started going to a non-denominational church. Um, And that was when we became very involved with Bible studies and serving. And it was a brand new world for us. Uh, And Going into the eighth grade, I developed a passion to study the Bible, which is quite unusual for an eighth grader. But this new you do everything not, early. This is yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't yeah. Okay, sorry. Keep on going. So so I uh, I started studying the Bible as an eighth grader. Everybody thought I was weird. What in the world is an eighth grader doing reading the Bible? five hours a day after school, but I couldn't explain it. There was just a passion in me to study the Bible. And of course, it was heavily talked about and encouraged at this new church of mine. And I just had this inner passion for it. So ninth grade, freshman year in in high school, I started leading Bible studies. And then by probably junior year, I 
felt called to go into the vocational ministry. And by the time I was a senior, I'm thinking about college and what I want to study. And I was thinking about business and maybe kinesiology. But underneath that was that still small voice telling me, you need to go into ministry. You need to be a pastor. So I followed it. And a year after graduating high school, I joined a pastoral internship at my church. And I became a full-time online student at Oral Roberts. And in that freshman year of college, I began my journey of questioning the evangelical upbringing that I had. And I don't exactly know what prompted it, but... There was a time period in my life where I felt like I couldn't ask questions. And now that I was in college, I felt like I could. Mm -hmm. There were so many things I was afraid to ask my pastor. I was afraid to bring it up with, with friends and family. So I just kept it in. But being in college and learning these new ideas and philosophies and theological doctrines is something that sparked a, an interest in me to dive a little deeper. And so I did. And when I started doing that, I realized that really since I was a kid, since I first started reading the Bible by myself, there were certain doctrines that were being taught to me that never really sat well. And as I'm reading the Bible as an eighth grader, I'm thinking, okay, I'm literally having to read this into the text and it just doesn't it's not hanging. sit well with me. But like a good Christian and pastor in training, I kept it in, I kept my mouth shut. But then there came a time where I couldn't do that anymore mm-hmm. and as a freshman, somebody introduced me to some Grace and Trinitarian teachers, and so I began to read some of their books and people like uh, Francois Dutoy and uh, John Crowder and Don Keithley and <laughs> William Paul Young and Brad Jursak, and <laughs> their teachings were so revolutionary for me. It was it was a brand new way of reading the Bible and understanding God. And it was, it matched that inner knowing that I've had, that I had my whole life. Mm-hmm. And so somebody told me one time, they said, the greatest teachers don't teach you things that, or I'm sorry, they teach, they don't teach you things that, that you don't know. Mm-hmm. They teach you things that you've always known. Oh, that's good. And and so that's what was really aligning with these new uh, ideas. And then I got the Mirror Study Bible, and I began to read that day and night. And there was even a time where I was actually writing chapters mm-hmm. from the from the Mirror Study Bible and trying to memorize. Um, his commentary, uh, Francois, and it was um, it was my introduction to the Greek and mm-hmm. really taking a, a deeper look at some of these words that 
have been translated in English to things that they don't actually mean in the original language. And so, yeah, that was a starting point for me. And so throughout college, as I'm learning my evangelical doctrines at ORU, I am also going back home in my closet, studying these guys, learning grace, learning inclusion, learning true Trinitarian theology, which for me, Trinitarian theology was something I gave lip service to as a Catholic and as an evangelical, but I never fully understood the mystery of it. And so I give a lot of credit to people like Brad Zursak and Paul Young for um, (laughs) being the great Trinitarian teachers that they are. Mm -hmm. Yes. So senior year, I decided to write my senior paper on one of the main uh, doctrines that I was brought up in that I disagreed with, and that was eternal conscious torment, Mm -hmm. ECT. So I wrote my senior paper at Oral Roberts University as a refute against hell. And as you can imagine, (laughs) it ruffled a lot of feathers (laughs) and there was a lot of back and forth. There was a lot of disagreement, Mm -hmm. but I made a nail on the paper and (laughs) yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was a unique experience to say the least, Yes, but it was 40 pages long and I just poured my heart into it. I mean, I spent the whole year prior studying it and, and putting it together. And that's what really sparked my desire to write after I wrote that paper. It opened up something. It it empowered me to want to continue to write. And so I began to write poetry and I began to journal. Mm-hmm. And that's what uh, stirred the water, so to speak, for my book, The Mystery in You. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That is... That is powerful. It's, it's amazing to see God's hand just throughout. And and the fact that you were willing to do something against the grain. I mean, even as a, an eighth grader, right? And all of that. And just be, just be led. It was God leading you in all of it. And uh, that's that's amazing. So... Well, let's talk about your book. Thank you for sharing that. That's a that's a gorgeous sure. journey. I'm excited uh, to kind of watch you continue on that journey. It's amazing. Um, so you really talk about the mystery in you, and you kind of start off with the true self and the false self. Do you want to yep. sort of give us some insight into what you mean by that? Sure, sure. Well, the first five chapters of the book are centered around discovering Christ in you. Mm-hmm. And then the second half, chapters five through 10, are set out to teach the reader how to discover and experience Christ in others mm-hmm. and in all of humanity. Mm-hmm. And my basis, my base scripture for the book was um Colossians 1, 26 through 27. Mm-hmm. And it's in that Paul writes that there's been a mystery mm-hmm. that's been hidden mm-hmm. for ages and generations. 
but it's now being revealed to God's people. And the mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting about that verse is I believe in Galatians, Paul reflects back on his road to Damascus journey and his conversion. Mm-hmm. And what he says there is that God was pleased to reveal his son in me. And so for Paul, he got that revelation and he realized that his conversion, his waking up experience wasn't something that was happening outside of him. It was something that God revealed within him. So when Paul got that revelation, he was then able to write to the church and say, hey, it's not just for me, Mm -hmm. it's for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then in that verse, it also says that it's for the nations or for the Gentiles, which is nations and, and Greek. And so the true self is who you really are. And I, and I set chapter one up to make that clear distinction between who you are, because when we say Christ in you, what is you? Mm-hmm. What do we, what do we mean when we say you? And so by you, I'm not talking about, our bodies. I'm not talking about our mind. I'm talking about the spirit, the soul, whatever you want to call it, that lives in the body. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, many uh, pastors and teachers have said, we're not bodies that have a spirit. We're a spirit that lives in a body. Mm -hmm. And so, so many people identify themselves with their body image, with their thoughts, with their personality, Mm -hmm. and that has become their identity. So I wanted to start the book out with clearly outlining what I mean when I talk about you, because if we're going to talk about Christ in you or discovering God in the deepest part of your being, Mm -hmm. we need to define what is you. And so that's that's the true self. It's the part of you that transcends the the, the body and the mind. Mm-hmm. It's the part of you that lives on once this body shuts down. Mm-hmm. And I even have a section in chapter one where I talk about all the cases of near-death experiences and how people can continue this consciousness or awareness even after their body shuts down. There's their heart's not beating their brain is dead Mm -hmm. yet they're still aware and they have this encounter with god and loved ones that's another very fascinating um Mm -hmm. discovery yeah so that's the true self and the false self is like i i mentioned it's identifying with our personality our achievements our pedigree Mm-hmm. our body image it's things that are temporary it's things that are visible but the true self is invisible mm-hmm. and it's the deepest part of who you are absolutely and it's eternal exactly yeah yeah i i, I did a quote and i wasn't sure if you were quoting somewhere one else i can't remember because i i just kind of copied and pasted but it says christ doesn't just reveal the true nature and image of god he reveals the true nature and image of humanity yeah um that is a very very deep and you know profound statement but it's very accurate yeah you're being 
conform to the image of Christ, but who we are is actually already in the image of Christ, right? Exactly right. Yeah. 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 So <clears throat> did you want to launch on that, elaborate? It's a it's a profound statement. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So for many of us, when we read John chapter one, one of the biggest uh, verses that stands out and is crucial for our theology is John 118, where it says that no man has seen God at any time, but Jesus, the Logos, Christ has come to make him known. Mm -hmm. And as many have said, I think it was Bill Johnson who became uh, famous for saying it, but he says that Jesus is perfect theology. So we know that we know that Christ reveals God. He's the exact image of the father. And that's a pillar of our faith. Mm -hmm. But to take it a step further and say, well, wait a second. What if Christ isn't just revealing the nature of God, but he's also revealing the nature of us? Mm -hmm. Then you start to get out there and it becomes like, wait, what are you saying? And so I want to be clear and don't hear what I'm not saying because some have. Um, But what I'm, what I'm saying is this, that the, walk of a mystic of a christian mystic Mm -hmm. is living from a place of non-duality where it's not either or it's not this or that it's actually both Mm -hmm. and so the truth of christ revealing god the father Mm -hmm. is true Mm -hmm. but it can also be simultaneously true to say that he's revealing the nature of man and how do we know that Mm -hmm. well because Romans Mm 5 says that there have been two human beings that have represented humanity. All were in Adam, all were in Christ. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Christ is not plan B of God. Mm -hmm. He's not the, the, the fix to the fall. He's plan A. Christ comes before Adam. And that's the greater truth I talk about. True. That before we were ever lost and affected by the disease of sin that came from the came from Adam, mm-hmm. we were in Christ. We were predestined in Christ. We were saved before the foundation of the world, before time began, is what Timothy says. Mm-hmm. And That's so, true. so, so, That's so true. many of us mm-hmm. we we identify by Adam, and that's where we get this original sin idea from which is another doctrine that I began to question and and deconstruct Mm -hmm. when I was in college. It didn't make sense. It didn't sit well with me. How can you say that an innocent baby Mm -hmm. is unworthy, evil, totally depraved and, and damned to hell? Are you kidding me? Are you, I mean, that's just bizarre. And so when we start in Genesis one, Instead of Genesis 3, we start with the answer, not the problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, Part of my deconstruction journey that was followed with a very healthy season of reconstruction Mm 
consisted of me studying. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> Let's yeah. construct to reconstruct, not just has to be construct. We just need proper constructs. Yes. So. Absolutely. <laughs> so glad you said but that. But I began to study the church fathers and one of the main church fathers that I really enjoyed reading was Athanasius. Yeah, no, he's really amazing. Yeah, go ahead. Who for go me ahead. is the the uh, the father of the east, whereas Augustine was the father father of the west. Mm-hmm. And uh, Athanasius starts with the incarnation mm-hmm. that transcends time and space. It's infinite, yeah. and we were in Christ. Mm-hmm. the 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 unification mm-hmm. and the inclusion of humanity mm-hmm. in the person of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. was set before time began. So. I say original innocence before original sin. It's the greater truth. I'm not saying that there is no such thing as sin. I'm not saying that it didn't affect humanity. All I'm saying is I'm not defining myself by the sin. I'm not defining myself by Adam. I'm defining myself by the greater truth, which is Christ. Therefore, he reveals who we really are, Whereas Adam would be a part of the false self that we identify with. It's not that it's not real. It, it, it's, it is real. It's just not the truth. It's not the core of who we are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, and that's really true. I mean, created in the image and likeness of God, that means we're created in the image and likeness of Christ. And yeah. if he is, so are we in this world. And that's our starting point you know, we ran into a problem with, with the fall um, and, and sort of this generation of false self, but our original design was not removed with the fall. Correct. That's great. Wow. That is profound. I love that. So what you're not saying is that there is no such thing as sin, that there's no such thing as a false self. We're actually talking about the false self, which is a, a fallen way of being, uh, which causes sinful uh, consequences, destructive consequences that God was about the process of the solution for before there was even a problem because he's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Exactly. This is how I say it. Sin may have blinded us, but it does not define us. And there's a big difference. Absolutely. And that's where you get into John one, when it talks about the blindness that we don't see him and that we're not able to see him. The light came, but we didn't know him. We didn't recognize him. And when we don't recognize him, we don't recognize ourselves because we're created in his image and likeness. So it's a blindness and then a a delusional fallen way of being. So that is excellent. I love that the way you summarize that find, but blinds. And it's true. It's true. Yeah. We do, we do need a savior because we are blind. That's exactly right. Yeah. He liberates us from our own delusion and blindness. Yes, he does. Yeah. Um, you, a uh, little bit of a hot topic since I just recently came out with a book, but you talk about the divine feminine, yep. which is really interesting. And, and you said to be explicitly clear, I'm not saying God is a woman. God is neither a man nor a woman and cannot be defined by a pronoun or gender. What he actually told me um, in his mandate to write the book that I did uh, was that I'm neither male nor female, but I engender both. So I guess we kind of got the same memo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's awesome. 
Uh, did you want to elaborate on that? Or? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's something that for me was such a big deal because I grew up thinking God was a an old man who lived in the clouds with you know white hair and that was my image of God for the majority of my life. And of course, people's image. Of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and all the art and the movies don't help. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me, the turning point was the shack. Mm-hmm. That was the turning point for me. Or I'll say it like this: that is what opened up my eyes to do the study and to be open to the idea. And I think what ends up happening is once you, once you go there and once you allow for that, Mm -hmm. you can't miss it in the scriptures. You can't miss it. And you can't unsee it. (laughs) You can't unsee it. Once the blindness is lifted, right? Yeah. See it. And that's really true. Keep on going. And, and even, even the mirror Bible really helped me out with that, with understanding uh, spirit in the new Testament. Mm -hmm. And I'm not ashamed to say this, but there are many times where I'll read the Bible and replace he with she. Mm -hmm. And, and I use them interchangeably because I'm trying to train my mind to get away Mm -hmm. from this patriarch uh idea that god is a man Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so um the reason i put that in the beginning of the chapter is because if i'm going to talk about god dwelling within us we need to talk about god and what is god and what is what god is not Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's uh that's important and there's something connected to that when it comes to our true self. Yes. I mean, what do you do when Paul says there's neither male or female, but we are all one in Christ. There's a greater spiritual truth that transcends our ideas Mm -hmm. of pronouns. Yeah. Yeah. And it's thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Keep going. No, no. The the last thing I was going to say about, about that subject is, uh, one of the things that God has revealed to me is if we continue down this road as a church where we prohibit or limit women in ministry, we're going to miss out on an aspect of God that is needed more right now in our world than ever before. So I'm so thankful for people like you who are brave enough, who have the courage to write the books that you're writing, because we need that. We need both sides of the divine. Yeah, <clears throat> we are, we're definitely, we need that uh, both sides of the divine in our understanding of who God is. And then, and that elevates one another in our relationships with one another because then we're able to champion one another rightly and receive everything yes through one another that we're supposed to receive and that yeah. is uh, that that is amazing that's beautiful thank you for that 
Um, you talked quite a bit about um, the live separation. Yeah. Um, and do you want to elaborate on that? There's so much, we, we could just go on and on. I have so many little notes. Uh, yeah. You know, this book, you really need to get it. It's meaty, but go slow because it's so meaty that it, this is not like a quick one and done read. Um, it is really solid, well thought out, engaging, but there's a lot there. So you want to get all the nutrients out of it. So if I just can make a recommendation when you get the book, but go talk about this live separation. Sure. Well, one of the things I say in the introduction is that this is not a speed read. This is a book that I encourage all readers to take their time to meditate on the chapters, to read them multiple times if need be, and to allow God to reveal things to you as you read. Because if you just try to read it through as quick as you can, you're going to miss a lot. And uh, that's my encouragement right off the bat. And and also, you'll probably read things in there that aren't there because in what you're saying, it's important to be clear about what you're not saying. And if we're glossing over, particularly coming at it with a filter, um, that maybe God is trying to heal us from these distortions. Um, Correct. Easy to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also say from the very beginning that I'm not trying to convert or persuade or convince. This is what I believe. This is how I see it. Mm-hmm. but I'm in an amazing season right now of embracing mystery yeah. and leaving room for the unknown. Mm-hmm. And I am learning and growing more than I ever have. And so my encouragement to my readers is to be open-minded. Mm-hmm. If there's a place that you come to that you disagree with, or maybe something seems unfamiliar, mm-hmm. don't throw it away immediately, but marinate let it marinate let it sit let it uh cook for a little bit Mm -hmm. and and go do your own study and and then come back to it but Mm -hmm. yeah the lie of separation is actually which is chapter three Mm -hmm. was one of the main drives for me in writing the book because the whole point of the book is to liberate people from this theological dualism that says God is way up there in the glory clouds and we are down here on earth. Mm -hmm. And because when that's our starting point, Mm -hmm. we spend our whole lives jumping through religious hoops, Mm -hmm. trying to bridge the gap. Right. And so it's a liberating message. It can look like a lot of different things. It can look at a striving in our characters. Yes. Like charismatic gymnastics. Yes. It can look like, you know, trying to uh, abstain from a bunch of, it can look like all sorts of things. And, um, but in the end, it's all striving to be what we already are and to be one, which we're already one with. So we chase our tails. Yeah. 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 the, The famous scandal or scam of separation is what I, uh, is what I say is that of religion is that it makes you strive for what you already have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a hamster wheel and it burns you out. But my message is simple and it's clear. It's God is near. Mm -hmm. God is here. 
and God is in you. And that's the reality of Paul's message, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And even Jesus makes such a bizarre statement to the people of his time, the Jews and the Pharisees that he's talking to in this particular verse when he says, the kingdom of God is within you. What? We thought God was over there and distant and all in that temple on that mountain. And the kingdom of God is within you. And so when we embrace that and we experience that, not just through intellect or knowledge, but through spiritual transformation and and ex- mystical experience, uh, we're never the same. And we're liberated from the lie of separation, which is a, a scam that religion has used mm-hmm. for business purposes. Yeah. It's, it turns into all kinds of stuff and um, it's not the gospel. It's not the happy gospel of uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. A lot of yeah. false gospels out there, unfortunately. Um, thank you for that. Um, you said, I do not believe everything is God, but rather God is in everything. And um, which is gorgeous. So it's so when I say oneness, I'm referring to oneness, the oneness Jesus talked about between us, him and his father in John 14 and 17. So talk about this God in everything versus everything is God, where we can fall in that ditch or we can say God's out there. But you have this John 14, John 17 perspective of God is in everything. Um, so elaborate on that. That's beautiful. Yeah. If you would, please. Sorry. So (laughs) pantheism Mm -hmm. is the belief that God is everything. Mm -hmm. Panentheism Mm -hmm. is the belief that God is in everything. Mm -hmm. And if I say both words in the same sentence, chances are you probably wouldn't even recognize that they're two different words, but the N is what separates them. And it actually is a big difference because they're not the same thing. Yeah. And I don't believe the Bible teaches pantheism, but I do believe it reveals panentheism because we read in Colossians that all things were created in him mm-hmm. and in him all things are held together so what do you do with that mm-hmm. for me i'm like okay lie of separation dualism all these other ideas that we have about god and humanity when that comes up against colossians 1 i know awesome. what do you do with that how do you, so the, yeah, there's a big difference and it's important to clarify. And that's why I did, mm-hmm. but it's, it's union mm-hmm. with distinction because mm-hmm. pantheism mm-hmm. is no distinction. Right. I am God. This microphone is God that plants God. You're like, no, that's just weird. That's not. 
That's not what I'm right. saying. Right. I mean, let's just <laughs> put it where it's at. Not that, yeah. people, not that people believing that are not loved, but it is. Sure. It is. It's 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 messed up. It's messed up. But yeah, and so I, I do believe that that we are created in the image of God. That which is deepest within us is divine. That's our true self. We're one with God. Christ is in us. We are in Christ. Mm-hmm. But God transcends mm-hmm. us and everything in the cosmos. And that's what makes him God. Absolutely. Or her. If we're God, if we're, we're God, we're in deep doo-doo. But if we're one with God and God is in all things, oh. that is actually our, I mean, he didn't, God didn't separate from his creation when he created us, when he created the same realm. And, yeah. you know, and it's kind of interesting because people don't have a problem with omnipresence. <laughs> um, but, uh, but there's just confusion. So I'm glad you uh, made that, yeah. clarified that. It's a, it's an important clarification. But it's also uh, uh, sharing just truth about God in all things, and um, yeah. which is amazing, including the unbeliever whose problem is not believing yet. Correct. And a great example of this is Acts 17, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. when Paul is talking to um, Greeks. They're not Jews. They're not Christians. Mm-hmm they would be considered as non-believers. And what does he tell them? He says that God is not far off from any one of us. And then he quotes one of their poets and says, in him, we live and move and have our being. We are all one of their poets. I know. Isn't that amazing? Right. One of their, one of their poets says in him, we live, we move, we have our being. We are all God's offspring. So, yeah, that's a, and, and I talk about that in the book, because to me, that was one of the biggest uh, challenges early on when I was evangelical. I always stayed away from that verse because it didn't fit with my right. uh, salvific theology. Right. Well, either you're in or you're out, and it's important to know if you're in or out. And Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, and so that, that, that is, uh, that is huge, but. Thank you for sharing that. Now you do talk about, and this is helpful with your, some of your other training uh, you were talking in studies, you were talking about the stages of human development, egocentric, tribal centric, world centric, and cosmos centric. So what did you mean by that? Yeah. So I think, as I mentioned before, Mm -hmm. when Paul understood the revelation of Christ in him, Mm-hmm. That was step one, mm-hmm. but it doesn't end there because if we get a revelation from God, or if we have a mystical encounter or waking up experience, and we think it's just for us, mm-hmm. we are stuck in this egocentric mm-hmm. consciousness. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a, it's a delusion um, because for Paul, it wasn't just for him. As I mentioned in in Colossians, he was able to have that that waking up experience Mm -hmm. and recognize that the same Christ that was in him Mm -hmm. was in his neighbor. It was in the church. And so we moved to tribal centric. It's Mm -hmm. not just about me. It's Mm -hmm. actually me 
and the group. It's where we get family and friends and community. Mm-hmm. And that's step two. Mm-hmm. Christ in me, Christ in you, mm-hmm. and then world-centric, mm-hmm. which is Christ in everyone. Mm-hmm. And like Colossians says, it's this message was to be revealed to the Gentiles, mm-hmm. which is the nations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's the world. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we have cosmocentric, which is Christ in all things. Mm-hmm. From the smallest subatomic particle to the planets and, and galaxies and just beyond i mean think about ephesians 3:20 above and beyond anything we could think ask or imagine according to the power that works within us so it starts right here it starts within it goes to our neighbor it goes to our world and then beyond because all things are held together in him you know one of the things when i wrote my first book um a revelation that I that just flabbergasted me was a sense of God as this fathomless uh, being um, and creates the seen realm, right? Yeah. And so the universe that he's one with, that he's in, and because God is infinite, the universe has to keep on expanding because the world forth. Yeah, is the person of God who is love, my hot, hot, hot button, and created a universe um, that has to continue to expand to keep up with the original uh, creation because he's endless and he's one with that creation, one with the cosmos. Um, Um, And so it is really mind blowing. But that's that's the God that that we are learning more and more about put that way. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. So you mentioned uh, another one of my hot buttons, the apocatostasis, the redemption of all things, the restoration of all things. Uh, Did you want to comment on that? It's such a gorgeous uh, concept. Sure. Yeah. So that's the the beauty of this message of Christ in you, Mm -hmm. the mystery in you is that it's so important. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, in Romans 8, when we have the scripture that says that all of creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God, Mm -hmm. I I think that that verse is talking about the day that, Jesus talked about uh, in John 14, 20, when he says uh, in that day, you will realize that I am in you, you are in me and, uh, and we are one. And so as we wake up to what's always been there, because it was hidden, Mm -hmm. but now it's revealed. If something is hidden and then it's revealed, it's always been there. It's not that it wasn't there. And then you prayed something or believed something or confessed something to make it happen. Mm -hmm. No, it it was always there, but it was, it was a mystery in a hidden way, but you woke up to it. You realize Christ in you, Christ doesn't just reveal God. He reveals your true identity as a son. And as we wake up to that, Mm -hmm. I believe 
that there is a connection between us as humans and all of creation. And so as we wake up to our identity, our sonship, our daughtership in Christ, then all of creation will fall into harmony and peace and restoration, which is the full manifestation of the finished work. It's not a separate uh, thing. It's it's not. People, some people think it is. It's not. It's it's the full manifestation of what was finished mm-hmm. at the cross. Yeah, and so the restoration of all things, which by the way, many people don't know this, but it was actually universal restoration was actually the dominant view for the first four or five centuries of the church. Yeah. It wasn't ECT. It wasn't conditional immortality. It was universal restoration. And I mean, St. Gregory of Nyssa, uh, Clement, I mean, they, some of the, some of the, yeah, the, our main early church fathers, they all wrote about it and they all believed this. And so for me, that, that stands out. Why was the dominant view of the church universal restoration? And these were the people who, you know, probably had some parents or grandparents that knew the apostles and, and, and they would have had, in my opinion, they would have had the best understanding of, uh, Mm -hmm. of the scriptures. And so I think there's something to that. And, uh, when I wrote my paper at ORU, that was one of the main points I brought up, um, because it wasn't until Augustine in the fourth century Mm -hmm. that ECT became the dominant view in West eternal conscious torment. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't until uh, the fourth century. uh, Like I, like I said, uh, when, when that became the dominant main view in the Western church. And that's something I would have never known if I wouldn't have done the study on church history, but yeah, that's the, that's the hope of glory. That's the, um, all shall be well that Julian of Norwich talks about the um, the mystic. Yeah. And that's why I think this message is so powerful and so profound for us to realize because this waking up mm-hmm. to the mystery that's in us, which is Christ, mm-hmm. is what is going to issue in this manifestation of what was finished at the cross and it's it's we're not making it happen we're not we're not completing the work or doing our part no 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 it's it's we're becoming aware and because there's a connection between us and creation creation follows what we're walking in and so as we become aware of what's been there the whole time heaven and earth were merged through the incarnation. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. And when we, when we see that and we recognize that and we realize that, then all things will be restored. Isn't that amazing? And that, that is such a great uh, way to end our, our interview. How can people get a hold of you? You've already talked about go to Amazon, get your book. Yeah. Book. yeah. <laughs> um, how can they get a hold of you? So I have a website, 
It's loganbarone.com. And on my website, there's uh, some contact information. And we'll, I'll post and, that, so. Yeah, the best way to uh, to reach me is by email. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. excellent. Yeah. Well, Logan, it has been a joy. Man, uh, we covered a lot of topics in a, a short period of time. Uh, so that's amazing. What is next for you? What are you working on now? Or what are you thinking of? Or, or are you just trying to keep up? You just you just launched your book. Well, Congratulations. I, I, I do have another project that I'm working on right now. But... I can't say much about it. It right. It's it's something really big. It's something really special, oh. and it is with other authors. Uh, so it's very unique. It's it's going to be very powerful, and uh, that's what I'm doing now. And then once that's over with, uh, I do have some ideas for my next book. So and I will be starting a podcast uh, sometime hey. in the near future. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of noticed that on your website. So that's great. Well, that is so exciting. I'm so happy to be supporting you. You've got so much uh, to offer. And I'm just I'm just thrilled with uh, with kind of what, what you're doing and just want to support it and applaud you in it. And it's been really fun. Thank you for coming on. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. It's yeah, wonderful. <laughs> well, everybody go get his book. Go find Logan Barone and uh, share this with a bunch of people who really need this. So, all right, guys, thank you for joining. Thank you, Logan, once again. You guys have a great day. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit CatherineToon.com.